Hey, faith family. Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast at Calvary Bible, where we go beyond the Sunday sermon to explore some rabbit holes and to bring some biblical truths to the surface. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. All right, Calvary Bible, thanks again for joining us. Buckle your safety belts. This might be a long one. Might not be. Randy doesn't think so. I do. So in today's episode, we've been in the Psalms for a while now, and we want to just take a look at this book of Psalms in general. Some people call it the Psalter. You like that? I love it. I love it. You like that as much as you like behold? I do. It's great words. Um, so anyway, just what what is it? How can we be better readers of the book of Psalms itself? Um, so we just have some general questions, and we've got this doctor doctor here to pick his brain a little bit. So no, I appreciate your your understanding of the, the book of Psalms in general. So here we go. Um, number one, what are they? These Psalms. Your sermon series title is How to Pray, How to Praise. Are these prayers? Are they songs? Are they both? What's the deal? I would say, uh, if we're going to use that title, and that title was selected just because it seemed to capture the majority of the Psalms, yep. I would say that we would be talking about praise songs maybe is the best way to understand what they are. So if you look at, uh, well, any Bible, they the title is Psalms. Mm -hmm. It's coming from a Greek yep. term, which is coming from a Hebrew term. And it's that Hebrew term that we keep seeing almost virtually in every title, not everyone, but most of the titles contain this particular term. So what we're dealing with, we know from the title is what we are dealing with songs that are designed, designed to be sung with stringed instruments, not brass strings. For some of you, uh, I like that. I play the cello, try to, so stringed instruments. So we know uh, by their title that they are songs designed to be sung with strings, uh, stringed instruments. So why do songs you, why do we talk about them as prayers? Well, because uh, they are also functioning that way, just their their design. As you're reading them, you'll notice that God, uh, God is being addressed regularly mm -hmm. in prayer. So prayers, praise song it's all happening in the context of a song so yeah. the song is worded as a prayer the song is worded as praise the song is worded as uh, sometimes instruction stuff like that all right this may be a dumb question but Thanks. yeah so it brings up the question of what's a what defines a prayer is it because you know when we think prayer we think very traditionally you know fold your hands close mm -hmm. your eyes mm -hmm. and talk to god but we can, if a prayer is just talking to God, we can do that in the form of a song. Yeah. So, yeah. What's you're, a prayer? Am I accurate? And, yeah. You know, we're sure you're addressing, you're addressing God from the, uh, you're addressing God from the position of weakness, from the position of need, from the position of gratitude. You're addressing God with all of these angles, from all of these angles, depending on life circumstances, depending yeah. on what uh, what is required in the moment. Bottom line is you're addressing God. Therefore, you could do it through the form of a song. Yeah. Yeah. But when I pray, mm -hmm. when I think of praying, I'm not, I don't usually add melody to my, you know, right. close my eyes. Right. But if, you, but if you looked at the hymnal, for instance, uh, take a look at the hymnal. Those of you who know the hymnal well. 
you'll notice that several of the hymns are, they are prayers. And often uh, somebody up front would actually say that, you know, we, 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 just, sang, we just sang a prayer to God. Mm-hmm. It's the same way with some of the more recent songs as well. Some of them are actual prayers. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. That's good. All right. So the Psalms have five books. And if you're reading through, you'll see book one, mm-hmm. book two, mm-hmm. all the way to five. Um, so what do you know about why do we have five books? Were they compiled that way? Is that how they were? And they were just put into one mega volume? Yeah. So uh, the best that we can tell is that those five books are arranged. Uh, they didn't just happen that way, that they were actually arranged in five books due to subject matter and also um, to reflect the five, the first five books of the Old Testament. And, that, and I think for, for many of you, you know how important those first five books were to the Jewish people. So the Torah, the first five. And so most everyone that, that I know about would say what you're seeing in the Psalms is a reflection of those first five. But that's how important, by the way, the Psalter, your favorite word. Yep. That's how important that Psalter is. is they determine that the length of those, you know, that's a lengthy section of scripture. Yeah. It, it will be divided just like the first five books. That it's, is a big, it's a pretty big deal for a Jew. Doesn't mean as much to us, unless I might ask you, uh, you know, these Psalms are so important because they contain, they contain great emphasis on the law of the Lord. So as soon as I say that, now all of a sudden you can, you should be able to make a quick connection between, mm-hmm. ah, okay, the opening, you know, the Ten Commandments, where are yeah. they found? They're found in the first five books. And now the psalm is going to make a big deal about the law of the Lord. We might get to that in a moment, depending on uh, some of your questions. Yeah, okay. Well, maybe this next question gets there. Um, so do the Psalms themselves, do they contain help in how to interpret them? Yeah, it's my, uh, that I think of all the things that I've learned over the last few years in particular, immersing myself in Hebrew poetry. I think that's the, that has been one of the, uh, the most uh, critical pieces of information to teach me how to read the Psalms is to remember that they do have an introduction. So Psalms 1 and 2 are introducing the Psalms. Right. And they're introducing the Psalms. And it's been a long time since we've covered this, so I won't review all of that, only to say that those first two Psalms are actually helping us understand how to read the rest. And again, uh, and I just pulled this up. um, So what's interesting is verse 2, for instance, in light of our just a minute ago, but in his delight, Uh, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. There's this this blessed person who's Mm -hmm. described as someone who delights in the law of the Lord. So what you have in Psalm 1 and 2 is you have a particular kind of person who's described as blessed. That's the best possible existence God gives to his person, to his his creature. This particular blessed person looks like this. And the opposite of that is, is in Psalm 1 and also in Psalm 2. And finally, you end the Psalm 2 with the same way Psalm 1 started. Blessed are all who take refuge in him, which means, just quickly, we're not good moralists. We're not only those who love the law of the Lord, we're those who take refuge in him. And you put mm-hmm. those two things together, and that's a person who trusts the Lord, 
or to use the term we've talked about over and over again, the person who fears the Lord is the person who gladly submits to the God who's not safe. That's a trust issue. The fear of the Lord involves trust and obedience to his laws. And Psalm 1 and 2 say, let me tell you who is blessed. And the rest of the Psalms now are going to point us right back to that same opening. So it's very important to remember the opening, the introduction, uh, if you're going to keep reading the Psalms well. Okay, so I've heard you use the term, I don't think on a Sunday, but interpretive grid. Yeah. So would you say Psalms 1 and 2 are the interpretive grid for the rest of the Psalms? Is that what you mean by that? Like I would. Everything has to come back through Psalm 1 and 2, like points 2. Yeah, and I would say I would do it quickly. So for instance, I would say anyone who is, who's saying, uh, look, I really do want this blessed experience that God gives this certain kind of person, then that means that whatever the whatever these songs are saying, I want to be able to say them sincerely because mm-hmm. I know that following the song, following the psalmist is the road to blessing. Okay. So and that means all of those things, the prayer, the praise, the, mm-hmm. the, the instruction, all of that. Right. So that's really interesting. So those two questions, the five books, the interpretive grid of Psalm 1 and 2, um, yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Um, the one question that came to mind while you were reading in Psalm one, mm-hmm. his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law, he meditates day and night. Mm-hmm. Um, is that law, is that referring to the Torah? Do you know? Yeah, uh, there's so much, oh my goodness, so much written about what is it? Yeah. My best answer to that is read the entire Bible. Yeah. And that's what it is. I, I, all of the other efforts to, to interpret law. I mean, obviously, uh, the law represents the requirements of God for his people. Mm-hmm. The, all of the aspects of the covenant, which are outlined in the early parts of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. But you and I have been talking a lot about all of a sudden Jesus comes along. And do you say he reinterprets or what, what? So I would say the law of the Lord just encompasses all of kingdom requirements for his children found in Old or New Testament. Mm-hmm. Right. Saying. Rather than restrict yourself to the Ten Commandments yeah, or, or the first the, five books, even. Or the first five or yeah. all the 613 exactly. laws that, exactly. that people go to. Yeah. Um, so it's not just the law. I like that. It's the almost like the you know, the, the, the whole, as opposed to each individual part. Yep. Um, all right. That's really, that's good. I like that. Um, I'm glad you like it. Yeah. I like a lot of what you say. Not everything, but a lot of it. Um, I know the feeling. Yeah. All right. So we got these five books and I forget, I, I did have a question though about those five books. Mm-hmm. I'm, I lost it though, mm-hmm. somewhere in the fog. Mm-hmm. So the five books, you said maybe they were con- like compiled based on subject matter. Did you say that? They they have they have a lot of evidence of being manipulated, okay. being crafted on purpose. Right. A lot. You can, uh, folks that have done you know spent their whole lives studying these things. So there's clear indication of you know what these books have some themes and so forth. Okay. So, yeah. Um. All right. Let's go mm-hmm. to the next question. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are the authors and what do we know about them? You got David, 
got ASAF. Those are the two prominent ones that come to my mind quickly, but that's not it. So, yeah, there's some others. I, so, you know, for, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm reading these and I'm thinking, what's the, you know, what's the big deal about David? If you read, if you read the stories about him, he was a talented musician. Mm-hmm. What strikes me is that, that somehow there's something spiritual that goes on when that man plays whatever he played, whatever that stringed instrument is, mm-hmm. not a brass instrument. It was a stringed instrument. When he the plays, harp. when he plays that instrument, something spiritual happens. I don't know if you've thought about that. It's, it's fascinating to me that David plays that instrument and Saul is healed yeah. at the moment. Just think about music. His skill. You know? So yeah, super skillful. So what I like about David, you know, who are these? What yeah, I like yeah, about right. David is David is the guy, he's the king. He's the king who loves God, right? He, he's the man after God's own heart. He's the king musician. Mm-hmm. And he combines this uh, incredible job description of being the primary teacher of Torah for his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And he can play the, the strings to heal a man who's going through a spiritual uh, kind of uh, attack. Yeah, I, saw, right. I don't know what else you'd call it. Mm-hmm. So let me just say one other thing quickly. You know, the Asaph guy. Yeah. So I'm reading, you know, in my, in my own readings, I'm in the Chronicles and so forth, which I know many of you, that's your favorite series, your favorite book. And I appreciate that. Um, but it's interesting when these singers start to be listed in, in all of this stuff. Asaph is a big deal. And the skill, mm-hmm. the skill of these are professional people who are very, very good at making sounds that are conducive to worship. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, add in the inspiration of this. Mm-hmm. You got a you got a, a person playing whatever stringed instrument. But now under the inspiration of God, they're writing songs. And I like to put it this way because I just I, I, that's what we what we do. They, they write songs for the church. That's, that's just the greatest thing in the world. Yeah. Incredibly talented people, incredibly spiritual people, and they do not hide the fact that they're always in trouble and they always need God. Yeah. Incredibly flawed, badly broken world. Yeah. I think about the power of music and its ability to stick with you, you know, the lyrics because of the melody that goes with it or the ability to affect your emotions. Um, like nothing else. Yeah. And I've, I've given it some thought about how the Lord is described as our song. The Lord mm-hmm. is my song. Yeah. What, like, what a does phrase, that mean? Phrase. It is. Um, so anyway, that's really, that's good. Okay. Last question here. Um, how important is it to understand Hebrew poetry for the average person poetry style, similes, metaphors, you know, to be a good reader of the Psalms. Okay. So uh, very important because the form was God's idea. Mm -hmm. God said, I'm not going to just write New Testament epistles. Right. I'm not going to just give you letters. I'm going to give you some story, some narratives, Mm -hmm. and you're going to find your way into those narratives but I am going to give you some songs, mm-hmm. poet, poetic expressions, right? which mean that if you sing them, you involve yourself in a way that you don't when you read a narrative. 
Yeah. So they're filled with the images mm -hmm. and the metaphors and all mm -hmm. that. I would say, again, in light of what I've been learning, the most important thing you could do is just remember that most often these poems are th these verses that we see in our English Bible are often divided into two parts and you have the A line, but then you have what is more B. Mm -hmm. The old teaching on the Psalms was that the lines were the same, which meant that the readers were conditioned to say, he's just keep saying the same thing. He's not, he's rarely saying the same thing. Yeah. He's usually intensifying from line A to line B. So what's yeah. helpful for the reader mm -hmm. is allow the imagery to stir your emotions. Mm -hmm. If you have some, Yeah, we're a Bible church. Got a couple. We're a Bible church. Yeah. So we're careful with that. Allow the, the images to move your emotions. But I would say more importantly, when you move to that B line, make sure you see the intensification or the sharpening or the going one more step. Uh, follow that logic and you will see way more than you ever saw. Because that second line is crafted to take us a little bit further, a little bit deeper. Yeah. A little bit more focused. And I love that. I mean, I'm seeing that over and over again. Yeah, you do see it all the time. And so would you say the benefit of it is just it's like a, uh, a furthering of the point or a, a sharpening of the idea, fine tuning of yeah. the thought? So uh, I wasn't planning on this, but blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked walking. Next line. By the way, mm -hmm. this is. A, B, and C instead of uh, A and B. Yeah. Walks nor stands. Now, instead of moving along, you're standing mm -hmm. in the way of sinners. And then finally, Sitting. we're taking our seat in this position of the scoffers. So mm -hmm. now we're sitting right here as a scoffer. So what you have in line, uh, in lines A, B, and C is you have a movement towards an entrenched opposition towards God, yeah. which is not, uh, the blessed person doesn't do any of those things. So if someone were reading that very quickly and they didn't see that progression, they would mm -hmm. miss the fact that, look, you're being moved into more and more of what you're not supposed to be. Yeah. So that's a great example, I think, right at the very start of the Psalter. So if you were saying to the average person, uh, here's your toolbox for reading the Psalms, you would say one of the first things is just be aware that line B intensifies or takes further line A yeah. and be aware of that. Yeah, I think you'll get you'll get so much more out of the readings of the poetry. Otherwise, you're reading it thinking that sounds kind of the same. No, it's not. actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, you mentioned New Testament epistles. That's not the Bible. I mean, churches love them and some churches never leave them. Well, yeah. It feels like. Yeah. But uh, easy to preach and easy to relate to. Yeah. I mean, easy to apply. No doubt. Um, but I've had a growing appreciation for the Psalms in that poetry, which is, you know, I'm a 30 something year old guy. So poetry is not my my craft. And Michelle would say that she does not like poetry at all. Yeah. So but what I've really grown to appreciate about that genre is its ability to stick with you. In, in the metaphors or the similes. So when Psalm 23, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, that image mm. cannot be duplicated That's right. by uh, you know an orderly outline of 
God is my protector, my provider, my feet. You could list Which that. Which is all true. Say, yeah, it is. All those things are true. But when you say the Lord is my shepherd, Does it's it? this beautiful image that stays with you like nothing else. That's a great point. So, Excellent point. Anyway, all right. So this was uh, this was an episode that is not about a particular psalm, but just a way to look at the psalms in general because we're in this series. And hopefully that was helpful to just get a better understanding of what the psalms are so that you can read them better. And uh, I think if there's a takeaway, though, like practically, it's we want to be that blessed man of Psalm 1. So Yeah. And I, I was going to say, too, you know, you see it again in Psalm 119. If you just look at Psalm 119, look at how it starts. It starts exactly the same way as Psalm 1 does. And Psalm 119, you remember how big that is? The thing is huge. Yeah. So that so once again, whoever put these together said, let's uh, let's start the Aleph, the A stanza with that same start as the Psalter. It's it's on purpose. That's good. I appreciate you thinking uh, this through because it was helpful to me. It's just helpful to review what we're doing. I hopefully um, just gives us appreciation of, uh, the, of the book. I think there's a reason why songs are so uh, so often our favorite. Absolutely. Thanks again for joining us on today's episode. And remember, our Sunday sermons are meant to lead us to a life of worship beyond Sunday.